Welcome. My name is Laureen. Today I'm here with my twin sister Autumn. Together we are breathing him and I have a revolutionary thing to drop right now and that is that God is love. And I say it's revolutionary because I, for the first time in my life, I'm 53 and I am starting to feel really loved. And that's a miracle in my life to feel this deep love of God the deep love of my husband and my twin sister and my children, imperfect humans all around me, and I'm starting to receive the love of God through them. And I think that's revolutionary. The fact that God is love is revolutionary in a culture that is screaming about suffering. And Christians in the same numbers as non-Christians, believers in God in the same numbers as non-believers, are not feeling or receiving or walking in the profound love and salvation and security that brings the abundance and the joy and the peace and the wholeness and the wellness that Jesus promises and died for. The Bible says God so loves the world that he gave his only son and Jesus died for us to deliver salvation to us, to restore and redeem us to redeem our lives from the pit, to satisfy us with good, and to receive that deep love and satisfaction of wellness, it's not something that is easily attained in this culture or since the beginning of time. Look at Adam and Eve. Amen. Look at the first siblings. So God is love is a revolutionary statement that should be rocking each of our personal worlds. And very easily we human beings get caught up in what appears to be love. And all human beings get a measure of love upon birth. We've all experienced some measure of feelings of love. Look at the young love that so many envy. Do we really think that the height of love is experienced in young ecstasy when the brain is firing? Yeah, those feelings are wonderful, but the depths of love are so beyond that. And God is love despite suffering, despite sin, despite decay, despite aging. God is love. And so that's what Autumn and I are digging into deeper and deeper is this revolutionary recognition that the depths of God's love for us and for one another are unplumbable to really be learning to receive and walk in that after a lifetime of desperation and dissatisfaction and hopelessness and overwhelm, we could continue to list. And, you know, we still have days like that. A couple days ago, I actually was a big girl and reached out for prayer because I was feeling hopeless, overwhelmed, desperate, incapable of receiving love. So it's not that we have by any means arrived But we are learning God is faithful and God is love. Especially among first world believers Mm -hmm. who are a little bit used, most of us, to seeing others fix others' problems. Most of us, if we are cold, someone can give us a coat. We may not like the person giving us a coat, but we can get a coat generally in America. So in the first world, it is very easy to look at needs being met and forget that God is love no matter what. In the midst of incredible suffering and desperation, God is God no matter what. And his love completely transcends moments of pain or sickness or desperate need. His love is still present. 
And that's why we need to abide in the vine because that is the only way that we can flow in that supernatural agape love, meeting the needs that God is actually asking us to meet and not actually getting in the way of others receiving God's love. It's so easy to put acts of service or our own ideas of how to relieve someone else's pain. Our children are a perfect example. Sometimes we act in a way that we believe is loving without asking the Lord God, the Father of love, the Holy Spirit, to inform what we're actually supposed to do. And we can stand in the way of that supernatural agape love that is designed, that abundant life that is designed to flow between us as believers. And even in terms of our own personal salvation, how much easier is it to blame a friend or the church or a husband, someone else, when we are not in the business first of receiving from the love of the Father. Mm -hmm. We look elsewhere for needs that the Lord is not even actually intending to meet. And we look for them to be met in ways that he is not intending to meet them. It is very easy to do, to intervene in the flow of the supernatural love of the Holy Spirit. That's why I love the story of Lazarus and Jesus, because Jesus fully man, was asked to come minister to Lazarus, his dear friend who was sick, and he tarried, and Lazarus died, and Mary and Martha were angry and said, Lord, if you'd been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. But Jesus, as he was listening to the Spirit, doing the good works that God the Father was asking him to do, entered into their grief. He cried, says he wept, and then we know he raised Lazarus from the dead. We don't know in what order The revelation was given of God's goodness to Jesus, but we know he trusted God enough to knock it in the way to the point that his friend even died. And I think that as we abide in the vine, we can participate in supernatural ways of love that are not going to happen if we are not willing to tarry and wait and listen and obey. Amen. Satan wants us focused on temporal realm, easy fixes. He wants us pointing fingers at each other and meeting needs out of our own seeming abundance, out of our own abilities or gifts or resources. But God wants us, like Jesus, trusting in him so that we don't prematurely stop the suffering. Think about Peter in the garden, wanting to love Jesus and protect him when Judas betrayed Jesus. And Jesus essentially rebukes Peter and says, hey, wasn't time for that. Puts the man's ear back on. So Jesus loves his enemy fixes the man's ear and releases himself to crucifixion. I always think about that misplaced zeal in regard to Peter because he was doing the right thing, defending Jesus. And then he denied him three times because he had misplaced his zeal in his desire to defend and serve. And I think I do that a lot of the time. I will get in the way and I'm not getting filled up and I'm missing the little cues. I'm missing my opportunity to watch and pray. Jesus said Peter fell asleep in the garden and he admonished him, watch and pray so you're not led into temptation. How often is my misplaced zeal keeping me from the love, the watchfulness, the prayer that God is asking me to walk in? Observe to the disciples post Jesus' resurrection. There was this beautiful time in Acts where the believers were full of joy and zeal recently after the Holy Spirit had fallen upon them. They had all things in common. They were living in this flow of love and abundance. Pretty quickly after, we see the reality of the suffering, the physical realm, circumstances hitting hard because we see the fact that there's bickering happening in the church. There are 
widows that aren't being served properly. There are disciples that end up martyred and killed. God is clearly comfortable with the suffering of his people. He is clearly comfortable with the needs of the physical realm going unmet. At the same time, he calls us to love each other. Pretty interesting goes back to that first commandment, the greatest commandment that Jesus talks about. Love the Lord God with all your strength and heart and soul and love others as yourself. And that's the good news that as we walk with Jesus, as we're yoked with him, we can listen to the spirit and actually love God first and love others. And then we are taken care of ourselves. We are well. It is well with our souls. And we are able to walk in that peace, joy, and love that he has for us. Yeah, and can we acknowledge that the appearance of that is legalism. We can be appearing to do the right thing, loving ourselves well. Say we're a health superstar. We can appear to be loving our neighbor well. We give to all the right charities. We donate our time. God says, 1 Corinthians, all this stuff is useless without love. You can talk in fancy words, even the tongues of angels. You can give everything that you have to the poor, but without love, it is nothing. And that is for God to define. This is where we go back to the fact that it takes a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus to know how to love well and how to feed his sheep. It is not based on the appearance of good. It is not based on what even feels good. It is based on something beyond us. And so I want to wrap up by asking you, are you receiving the love of the Lord? And if you're not, there's no condemnation, but would you consider pausing for a moment and asking the Lord God to minister to you through the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ and his spirit, his lavish love, so that you can receive it and give it away? And that's a challenge that I want to keep asking myself. Am I receiving the love of God? Where am I not willing to pause and receive it? And Autumn and I continue to walk in that with one another and are thankful that we're walking in it with you. Amazingly, God's love transcends our ability to love and our inability. He is either God over this universe capable of salvation, the God of providence, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, or he is not. And he is teaching his children how to love who seek to worship him.